everyone. Welcome back to our podcast, Gifts from God. Today we're talking with Allison. Allison was ready to adopt, but it took a while for her husband to be in the same place. Then one Sunday at church, they met a sibling group that needed a family. Here's my conversation with Allison. Uh, before we start talking about adoption and all that, um, can you just start by describing what your life was like before you started the journey? Uh, well, um, my husband and I have one biological child. And so at the time that we started that process, we were, uh, he would have been probably about four or five years old when we started thinking about that as an option. Um and so things were different because we had an only child. My biggest concern at that point was the fact that my son was an only child and I could see certain um, tendencies where he was just, you know, very self-focused and, and impatient when he had to wait and that sort of thing. So um, we had a fairly quiet life in a lot of ways, but still I had some health challenges that were going on at the time. And so um, we were kind of keeping busy as it was with with focusing our attention on the family that we did have so and so uh what brought you to decide to start this journey um well interestingly enough uh, fostering and child care work and behavioral kids and all that is a, a part of my uh professional world i guess you could say i went to university of western for childhood and family relations i did group homework um lots of different avenues where i was working with hard to serve youth that sort of thing so um, this was sort of something that was on my heart and something that I wanted desperately for, you know, quite some time. But I had a husband who was concerned about um, the emotional well-being of our son and wasn't really too sure if he wanted to to go that route. So we, um, as a couple, were somewhat divided in the beginning. And I believe that God just worked a miracle in his heart and changed his heart to really want the same things that I did and I stayed silent along the way and just prayed that you know that would change and you know we got our miracle so um, it started the process started really when um, a woman from our church was caring for three children and she was an elderly woman and just had some health issues on herself and couldn't take care of them and I think that was what sparked the change in him too because he could personalize it a little bit and mm -hmm. see that um that these kids were true human beings, not just some, you know, uh, theory. Yeah, some some idea in someone's head or um, some sort of unknown person, they became real to him. And I think that sort of changed things a little bit. So that sparked our journey and uh, here we are today. Now, I hear actually quite often when I'm talking to people, pretty common that they're, that women and mothers um, feel called to fostering and adopting a long time before their husbands. <laughs> um, and I think that's the nurturing that God puts in us, right? Uh, mm -hmm. What would you say to the person who says, you know, I feel called to foster and adopt, and, but every time I talk to my husband, he's very close to it. Uh, so what advice would you give them? That's a tough one because I really believe in, in unity and obviously, um, you don't want any of the the husband or the wife to resent each other through a process. And yet at the same time, you know, some of those um, thoughts and, and our heart, our heart process is there and we want to be able to follow through with wherever God's leading. But I feel that 
um, the best thing is is to be respectful and give your spouse time because at the end of the day, you know, they need to come to that decision on their own and they don't need to feel pressured. And, you know, you are going to experience some rocky roads in, in the process. It's pretty much inevitable that that will be the case. And you certainly don't want to be the, you know, finger pointed at for, you know, pushing the process when it wasn't their own. So give it time and just um, sit back in prayer and maybe... Um, find other ways that you can expose that person to you know some less pressure cooked um, <laughs> ways of of getting to know the foster situation and that sort of thing so your husband decides to get on board and then what was the next mm-hmm. step that you did so um it, it, I was actually at a church function that we had met these the these three little ones and um at the time we had um, I had expressed interest and I had the little guy in my hands holding him to help the elderly lady as she was caring for these other two um, toddlers. And so I kind of went up to my husband and said, look at this little guy, you know, he's up for grabs, that kind of thing. And um, and so his response at the time was, oh boy. <laughs> so he was, you know, thinking, here we go. But um, I think in his heart, he maybe knew that that was when things were kind of going to progress. Um, but I didn't hear back from this lady and she said she was going to be contacting children's aid and, you know, setting up meetings and this sort of thing. And I didn't hear back from her and not wanting to pressure her and whatever was happening with their lives. I just kind of let it lie and, and, and sat back and, you know, over time, I think it was about three or four months. I still hadn't heard anything. And I figured, you know, that was sort of, um, so, and it's something that wasn't going to happen for us and and I just kind of thought okay well god this is this is um the way it's going to be that's okay too and um I set back just into my regular routine of caring for my son and, and doing that sort of thing and one day I got a phone call and asked if I was still interested and it was you know yes for sure and um okay be at children's aid at this time in this place and and that's how things got to to snowball from there. Oh, wow. So did you have to go through, like, the training and the pride and all that kind of things, too? Yes. Yeah, so we initially started with a meeting, and I think that that was just for uh, CAS to eyeball us and see whether or not we would be a good fit. Um, and then from there, once they got to know our wishes and our um, ideas of what um, – what our preferences were and whether or not we would be a good fit that's when they said well you will need to take the pride training so we jumped on board and got on the next um, program schedule with that and um, did that while in fact we were actually doing visits with um, these three children and um, and just kind of kept moving through the process from there so home studies in the works and so when did the children were able to move in with you um, so we started um, home home visits, you know, here and there in around Christmas time. And by July, we had them living with us in the Foster to Adopt program. And um, approximately a year after that is when they were fully adopted um, legally in, in our care. So you, you had concerns with your son, right? Um, he was mm-hmm. an only child. So going from being an only child to a family of four... And I'm guessing these three were siblings, right? Yes. So they're siblings. Now he's um, the odd one out in his own family. So how did how did you navigate that as a mom? 
you know, sometimes it feels like as a mom, you're just throwing darts at a dartboard and hoping something sticks. And um, so it's it's been a bit of trial and error as we go. Um, I would say that in a lot of ways, my kids are, you know, have a love-hate relationship, probably like, you know, your average sibling. So, you know, there's days where I'm sure he's thinking in his head, what did I ever agree to? <laughs> and other days where, you know, he can't live without them. But at the same time, you know, if in fact, one of them is gone for any length of time. He certainly says, um, you know, mom, when is he coming back or when is she coming back? You know, and I can tell that he's certainly bonded with them. And, um, you know, even just the other day, he had a, a friend at school who had mentioned how, you know, he didn't like having so many siblings. The the friend came from such a large family and, and you know, that sort of thing. And, uh, my son says, no, trust me, you don't want to be an only child. It's way better to have brothers and sisters. So, you know, he shared that with me and it, and it solidified for me that, you know, we had made the right decision and, you know, he's he's managing quite well with, with having them around. Now, did you go out of birth order or is he still the oldest? He is sort of out of birth order. So our um, our daughter is six weeks older than he is. So technically speaking, we've sort of dipped out of birth order. Um, we affectionately call them the twins because, you know, mm-hmm. um, when we're out in public, there's the, you know, how old are they? And so we introduce them, oh, you have twins. And mm-hmm. um, our daughter's pretty sensitive about being singled out as not being a... Um, not being, you know, um, a, a child, a biological child of ours. So she, you know, I know she doesn't like being singled out as being adopted. So, you know, we try to respect that and, you know, let things slide if we don't have to, you know, mm-hmm. with letting people assume that they're twins. But sometimes we'll just say, no, oh, they're born the same year. And then, of course, we get the eyes like saucers of people like, wow, you've been busy kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, she's the oldest but she is smaller and she is a different gender so they complement each other well and you know they're they're good friends and they spend a lot of time together which you know there's times where we have to encourage them to be separate and apart I think because you can just tell that they're starting to wind each other up and get a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, frustrated with each other Um, they are in the same class at school they play the same sports you know on the same teams that sort of thing so um we did go out of birth order, but at the time, um, Children's Aid felt that it was acceptable to do so, given the fact that they were different genders and so close in age that it really wasn't going to affect things too much. And um, how about um, health concerns? Where now that the children have been with you for a while? Um... Yeah. So um, at the time, the our youngest was an infant, and really there was no telling. Um, what sort of damage that they were going to have. Um, So we had to, you know, wait and see. And that was probably one of the most scariest times is not really knowing what you're getting into when you're Mm -hmm. signing those papers. And um, so we didn't really know what sort of health concerns that he was going to have. We've soon um, been able to see that he had some issues with his eyesight. So he's had to have that um, addressed. And there's some behavioral issues at school. And in fact, he's repeated a grade since then. And um, so there, there has been some concerns that way, um, but we've had lots of support through children's aid with, you know, whatever um, 
health concerns have come up. Our middle son had um, some issues at birth, and, and you know, we, we've been working through that with them as well. So um, I would say physically healthy for the most part, but um, the behavioral and the emotional stuff, which to me can be bigger than mm-hmm. the physical stuff, um, I don't think you can get away from it given the trauma that, you know, most children who are adopted have incurred, whether it was environmental trauma or just emotional trauma. So we've been working through that with a um, an attachment therapist, and she's been excellent in helping us, um, you know, really connect with the kids and understand their behaviors and that sort of thing. Um, so that's one of the things that um, I want to chat about. As I know uh, you're a Christian, you're in churches also, and I know sometimes um, churches can have people in churches can have a difficult time understanding the um, behaviors that come from trauma Um, because it's a little different you know if you see someone in a wheelchair it's pretty obvious what their problem is right Mm -hmm. Um, but when there is uh, trauma that can be can come across differently Um, people just think you're just being bratty right so Mm -hmm. uh, what could churches do um, to support families who have children who've gone through trauma? Well, I think knowledge is key. And, you know, given the prevalence of, um, you know, children in care these days, it seems like the next step is for the churches to jump on board. And I see um, quite a bit in the States where, you know, they have different um, support groups available and the churches individually are really encouraging um, adoption and foster care and as a way of ministry. Mm -hmm. And, um, I hadn't really looked at it that way for um, when we first started the process, but once my children were in my care and I saw them blossom and, you know, really come to grasp with some spiritual things, I realized what a ministry it is. And um, so I'd like to see the church jump on board with that and really um, encourage the fostering and an adoption process. And the only way we can do that is by raising awareness and, and, um, the knowledge base and information and all of that is so important. And I feel like um, the the workers that are within the children's programs at church aren't always knowledgeable on how um, the brain works and, and where they're coming from in terms of behaviors. And so I think that education is important. And, um, you know, for us personally, um, we have talks with Sunday school teachers and, and the children that are, or the the caregivers in the various programs beforehand and we you know we try to make it so that it's an open communication policy so that um, they don't feel embarrassed or you know shy about offering feedback in terms Mm -hmm. of behaviors Um, I feel like you know for the most part that's okay I know there's still some hesitancy you know you know please forgive us if you know for saying this but we need to tell you and I think for me I say well I'm very glad you're telling me so that we can work together towards a solution as opposed to, you know, you just enduring the hour of Sunday school or whatever it is because that you don't know how to deal with the behavior, right? So when you say behavior, so what are some of the typical things that um, a children who's gone through trauma would experience? Like what are some of the um, behaviors that you would experience? So a lot of it I think would be similar to what people see with ADHD um, children the fidgeting, the inability to sit still, the interrupting, you know, the up and downs, um, the lack of focus, that sort of thing. Um, the difference being is that sometimes the root is is different with AD and, and trauma or fetal alcohol or, you know, various other avenues. And 
um, at the end of the day, the parent is the one who often has figured out ways to combat some of those behaviors and, you know, try this, this works, or, you know, this is how we deal with it. And exceptions sometimes need to be made um, in, in the classroom. But the behaviors, from my experience with my kids, haven't been physical aggression. It's just more the bouncing up and down and the lack of attention and and that sort of thing. So sitting for long periods of time is just a, a very big challenge. And, you know, by the time you hit the end of the church hour, it's been a few hours of, you know, needing to be quiet and sitting still. And it feels like they just, they lose their, their ability to hold on to that. Uh, now, have you seen after it's been some time, have you seen improvements? Yes. And sometimes, you know, it's an up and down sort of thing. So, um, they catch on to routine and they know what's expected of them. And, you know, we try to keep the boundaries the same and, you know, the expectations the same so that they're very much able to understand, you know, this is what we're doing at this time and at this location. And, you know, so the routines seem to be very important to them and they're able to sort that out. So that's a, um, an important piece for us. Um, and sometimes we'll go, you know, a few weeks without any real major issues and then, you know, you hit a, a couple of weeks where things aren't so good and, and bouncing back and forth. But uh, for me as a parent, I, I find sitting through church um, <laughs> pretty challenging to say the least, because, you know, I've got three children who have a hard time sitting still and they want all, you know, various forms of, of connection with me. Um, touch is very important to my kids. So, you know, I've got two hands and I'm trying to, you know, give them all enough that, you know, it helps them keep still and that sort of thing. But it's it's definitely an up and downhill process where, you know, you think you've arrived and then the next day you get hit with a low. So um, I wouldn't say, I, I would say overall, they've definitely improved. And I would say that, you know, those closest to us would agree, but, um, you know, you still hit your, your hills and valleys, right? So um, what advice would you give to somebody who is thinking um, about fostering or adopting um, as far as we think about sibling groups what advice would you give to people for that I have no regrets I think that adopting the sibling groups was a wonderful thing and I think that um, you know it instantly completed our family in a way that we didn't even know we had that much missing and um, it certainly has its challenging and challenges and you know we went from one kid to four and I remember the first, my first trip to the grocery store, I remember thinking, oh boy, this is going to be interesting. But, you know, you learn to adapt and, and cope with the different, um, the needs of the, the kids that you've got. And um, I would say for the those who are considering adopting sibling sets is, you know, connect yourself with people who have done it and, you know, hear all sides of the story that, you know, you hear some people who will share their horror stories and, you know, only the negative that have happened. And, you know, some people who like to paint um, their picture with white picket fences and, um, you know, all the good and, and neglect speaking about the real stuff. And I think that, uh, you know, connecting yourself with people who have done it and who have been there and, you know, what the outcomes have looked like for them is an important, important piece just so that you can get a, a good, solid and accurate picture of what it's like to uh, adopt sibling sets and you know more than likely if you're adopting siblings you're going to be dealing with kids who have dealt with trauma um, 
and issues with attachment and um, perhaps, you know, some environmental things like fetal alcohol. So um, expanding your knowledge base about what it's like to be dealing with kids with those issues. Your marriage at the beginning, so you were on board, it took him a while to get on board, and then you have a sibling group, so your family grows, and you have behavioral issues. So how do you keep your marriage strong and biblical in all of that? My husband actually was able to attach to the kids quicker than I was, and I oh, wow. I would attribute probably that to some of my um, professional background because we learned very quickly um, through, you know, the group homework and that sort of thing that, you know, you need to c- carry yourself at a professional distance. So for that year, um, a foster to adopt and the visits and all of that, I kept a bit of a distance. So I was at a bit of a disadvantage when, you know, the adoption papers were finally signed and I allowed myself to, you know, um, to start attaching because he was probably already there and I had to kind of play a bit of catch up. So um, for that, that worked really well with our relationship. Um, He enjoys having the kids, um, you know, they play games out in the backyard and they they have a lot of of fun times. And um, so that's been a good thing. He's really come along well. And I think part of that is because um, typically speaking, you would hear when you bring home an infant how um, the man doesn't really connect with the kids until they're a little bit older and a little bit more able to... um, to interact on a, you know, sort of a childlike level as opposed to an infant that just sucks everything from you. So he was able to, you know, connect really quickly. And that was surprising to me because I figured that I would be attached quicker, but it was actually the opposite. So um, I would say that for us, the biggest issue that we have is (laughs) we're both tired (laughs) a lot. Um, and, but we keep our kids busy. Uh, we found that, um, activities with our kids, we find what they're passionate about and, you know, we really support them in, in their various activities. And so the day is, is busy and we do a lot of driving around, um, but it's for their betterment. And by the time we get to bed, you know, it's, it's, you know, the kids are asleep and, um, we just make sure that we really nurture that time. And, um, we've got super supportive parents, both of us. So, um, we usually set a time, you know, once or twice a, a month where we can spend some time together. And we don't usually go out. In fact, we let we send the kids out with grandma and, mm. you know, they go and do an activity and we stay at home and just enjoy a quiet house for a couple hours, which is always nice. Very cool. Now, um, we're running out of time here. So for my mm-hmm. last question, um, we want to pray for you today. So um, what, how could we be praying for your family? Well, um, I would say that right now it's about wisdom in terms of um, additional supports that we need for our children. Um, There seems to be, as far as our one middle son goes, especially um, just some some behavioral problems that we are not entirely too sure um, what professional we need to seek with that. So um we just need wisdom in terms of referrals and finding the the right place for um some extra support with him so that would be the big thing but wisdom in general is is a big thing wisdom and patience i would say would be um what we would like prayer for okay thank you thank you so much for being willing to just share your story with us and then to encourage other people especially um to look at sibling groups you're very welcome like i said it's been a life-changing experience for us and um 
overall, there are no regrets. We really enjoy having them, and they're a part of our family like like nobody else. So um, it's been our blessing. I hope that you really enjoyed today's podcast. Um, you can check out our website, lauraleesiemens.com, and then click on the Foster and Adoption section on that to see um, more blogs, um, some videos, and more podcasts. And also make sure you subscribe to this podcast so that you won't miss any. We're going to be having some more episodes coming up where Leslie and I are going to sit down and answer questions that you have about fostering and adopting. So please send in those questions to us so that we have something to talk about when we get together and do our podcast. In the meantime, subscribe to our podcast, Gifts from God, and we will see you next week.